Your views, your news, your limerick today with Gillian Devlin in for Jonash on Live 95. Like you, my family has spoken about little else in recent days. My partner, my two sisters and both their husbands are working in the health service here in Ireland and in the UK. They are all apprehensive. They've heard the stories from China and Italy of hospitals being overwhelmed and medical staff getting sick. I'm so proud of them all. Not all superheroes wear capes. Some wear scrubs and gowns. And all of our healthcare workers need us to do the right thing in the weeks ahead. Now, we're playing that clip this morning, which I'm sure you all remember. Not because the pandemic is back. No, no, no. Because uh, we're going to be talking about emotional speaking. We're joined in the studio this morning by Professor Deirdre O'Shea of Kemi Business School. She's Professor of Work and Organisational Psychology. Good morning to you, Deirdre. You're very welcome. Good morning, Gillian. Um, That speech, it's funny because I knew we were going to be playing a clip of it and I knew that it was one that we all kind of remember, that not all superheroes wear capes. I'd forgotten how emotional Leo actually sounded. It wasn't just the words he used, but his tone was very emotional when he was speaking to us. Yeah, and that really brings us right back to the pandemic. We were all very worried. We really didn't know what was happening. You know, it felt like it was going to go on forever. And one of the things we were interested in in looking at was, you know, it's, it's a big thing for a leader to stand up and try to influence millions of people. Right. Millions of people is what um, was trying to be influenced through those ministerial briefings that, you know, we all nearly became commonplace to us um, a few years ago. Um, and we were interested in looking at how really leaders can do that, how national leaders are able to do that. And one of the things that we wanted to investigate was really this idea of, you know, bringing that emotional language into those speeches. And, and does it matter at all? Um, and we found it did, actually, but we were a little bit surprised about how it did. So tell me, what, what surprised you so? So what what we saw in that, for example, that first clip that, that um, we, we heard from Leo Varadkar was him using a, a relational-oriented um, approach to trying to influence people's emotions. Now, we're all, very in, we're all very familiar with trying to manage our own emotions. You know, we, anybody who's in a customer-facing role, for example, manages their emotions on a day-to-day basis, probably a minute-to-minute basis. But there's also research which looks at how we manage other people's emotions. Um, And we do this again all the time in our daily lives. You know, we think about, you know, maybe an exam student who didn't do as well as they thought they did. And we try to make them feel a little bit better. Um, You know, managers a lot of the time will, you know, put some perspective um, for their employees. Um, The difference when we're looking at these ministerial briefings is the distance. You know, we're not seeing somebody's reaction. We're not seeing, um, you know, their emotions. Um, And so what government leaders had to do was try to influence um, people to engage in these public health behaviours. And we saw in those speeches that a lot of what we see is um, trying to manage the emotions of others, um, trying to keep us calm, trying to keep us confident, um, trying to manage the fear that we were all experiencing. Um, Now, of course, the obvious thing is you would think, well, if we're trying to manage somebody's emotions, what what do we influence? We influence people's emotions. Um, We either make them feel worse, we make them feel better. Um, What we found was really important in this research was not so much um, how emotions were influenced, but the fact that when we tend to use emotions that, um, um, or when we tend to use strategies that impact um, people's positive emotions, that actually improves people's trust in the leader. 
And it's this trust actually in a leader that um, made us more likely to um, adhere to all the different public health behaviours involved. Okay, so that's the connection with actually influencing their behaviour. Exactly. I'm wondering how frequently they can do this. Like if this is employed as a tactic, you know, let's appeal to their emotions, tug on their heartstrings and maybe they'll do what we want them to do. Uh, Surely the public as as well can see through that over time. Yeah, for sure. And one of the really key aspects about this is when we are perceiving somebody doing this so when we we you know know that either a manager or leader who whomever is influencing our emotions we start thinking about the motives so why is somebody trying to do this and that's really the key piece if we feel it's just a tactic you know we're in, we're most of us are smart people we don't get mm. fooled you know um and so um it's really about understanding why is the individual trying to do this and what's the underlying reason that they're doing it And so if the motive is around really trying to um, help us to cope or to feel competent about, um, you know, this COVID was a very threatening situation, a very worrying situation. If we feel that they're genuinely trying to help us to cope or manage the situation by improving how we feel about it, um, then we tend to respond in kind. Who in particular did you study for this research? So we did several different studies in this research. Um, We obviously looked at the Irish public. We also um, replicated the study in the UK. Um, And we did a third study where we delved a little bit deeper into not just whether we felt, you know, better or worse in this situation, but whether there were specific strategies that really, really were important for this so that the the ones that were most effective were when we try to improve people's emotions but when we try to engage people in the situation try to make them feel competent try to help them to cope with the situation as opposed to um you know just trying to amplify the fear that they might have felt which wasn't a very effective strategy at all okay and in terms of the leaders were there particular leaders that you looked at? Yeah, so what, what we did was in the in the first two studies where we looked at the Irish public and the UK study, um, we um, took a moment right after some of those ministerial briefings or those national briefings to the public in Ireland and also in the UK. Um, and we asked people right afterwards for their reactions to it. Um, <clears throat> so at the time, obviously, the Taoiseach was Leo Varadkar and in the UK it was Boris Johnson and we come, um, we found basically the same results for both. Um, so very, very consistent findings that people respond better to um, attempts to improve their emotions. They trust a leader more in that situation as opposed to when leaders try to make people feel worse about the situation. Okay, so it's basically positive you know, uh, reinforcement is what is what the leaders should be looking at. It's it's really about um, those types of things. You know, when um, leaders say, "We will always put your life and health before anything else." You know, we will do all we can to help you through the time ahead. Um, in those types of that type of language is kind of reassuring us. It's helping us to feel like we can cope, we can manage the situation. I don't know how reassuring Leo Varadkar would find it that people trusted him just about the same as. Boris Johnson was trusted still. It's not about the person, actually. It's more about, you know, in, in all these speeches, when you look across them, actually, there's different levels of, of you know, these different strategies. Um, and so, um, you know, across an entire speech, you'll see many different ways. And so we were more interested in delving deeper into not who the individual was, but what the language was and how they were using it and so okay, on. Well, so it wasn't about comparing the, the people, per se. Well, Ronald Reagan, former U.S. president, probably had a lot of experience having been an actor before he became the U.S. president. He was one that was great for emotive speeches. Here's a clip from one of his. My fellow Americans, on Monday, America will celebrate her 207th birthday. I love the 4th of July. I enjoy picnics and fireworks and 
long summer days. And I get excited with the thought that millions of our people all across our great country will, on this Fourth of July weekend, join together in thinking about freedom and the men and women who sacrificed to make it our inheritance. What do you make of that clip, Deirdre? Very interesting one. I haven't heard that one in a long time, actually. Um, you know, and these um, these types of um, uh, you know, national leader speeches have been things that we've studied for years. You know, we studied the cues that they use, the body language that they use. We've looked at the impact that they have, you know, how they influence people and so on. Um, so there's a long history of, of looking at these, you know, sort of how do leaders, um, you know, have an impact on on either their nation or on their, you know, their employees when it's in the workplace and so on. Um, and what's very interesting is that, you know, this concept that we looked at which is interpersonal emotion regulation is what it's termed is has really only been looked at for about 15 years or so so it's a relatively new way of conceptualizing things and the difference between that and and say what more historical research that has been done in the past is that um it looks more at the the communication strategies and it looks at um, this idea of um, the motives behind what is being said and and how people really engage with um trying to perceive you know why somebody is telling them this um and why um, they're being told this and, and engaging in that and it's then that trust component and how it influences um you know depending on how we perceive these things whether we will trust that leader or not trust that leader what are the key takeaways then as they say nowadays uh, from this research do you think so obviously we looked at it in the context of the covid pandemic but we can look at it more broadly in terms of the you know different crises that we're seeing you know we have climate change there's wars and so on um and this is really about how we influence a nation in those really type of crisis situations um and different strategies that we can use um and what we're seeing over and over again is that this idea of trust comes up over and over um you know other colleagues of mine for example in in um the university of limerick have looked at trust and distrust in science you know we looked at trust and distrust in leaders um but invariably it comes back to our perception of whether this individual or this area or this you know profession or whatever can be trusted um and if we feel they can be trusted then we will tend to um you know uh, adhere to the things that they're asking us to do whether that's public health behaviors or or whatever else and for example if there's a, a business person in limerick and maybe they have a small team and you know cost of living crisis is affecting business as well and they maybe have to make cutbacks in certain areas or ask their, their team to work harder can they learn from this and what what should they employ uh, yeah from yeah. this research so ever before we did this research with as i said a, a national lead leaders um research has been done looking at managers and leaders in organizations and we know that when managers really um um, get to know their employees and, and engage in this idea of um, helping them to you know process the, what's going on in the organization it helps things like team performance it's also really good for the sense of connection we have in our teams and whether we feel like we can um, yeah we, we can work together and so on so very important in organizational settings as well for so sure. it's about being part of the team as opposed to kind of that top le- level authoritarian way of managing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, if people want to find out more about this research, Deirdre, where can they go? Um, so we recently published an RTE Brainstorm article on it, um, which they can find by um, just having a look on the RTE website um, for that. And we've pub- we've published the research in um, an academic journal, which is called Emotion, very fittingly. Um, and that's available um, for, for download if anybody wants to read the, the full academic um, piece of work as well. Okay, well, it's fascinating research. 
research and it's being done here on our home ground in Limerick. Deirdre O'Shea, Professor of Work and Organisational Psychology at the Kimmy Business School in UL. Thank you for coming into studio this morning. Your views, your news, your Limerick today.